Welcome back to Creepy Campfire, your source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan. Hey Jordan, how are you doing this week? Oh, I've been doing good. It's been a busy one, but how have you? Oh, the same. It's been pretty crazy, but it, I've got nothing to complain about. Yeah? I'm, st- I'm not sick this time, so... Yeah, thankfully we're both over that. It's yeah. not raining anymore. Yeah. Well, well, actually, it's kind of coming down hard. Just got the sound hail, sounds maybe? a little off. We had to move from the garage to the dining room. So if anything sounds a little different, that's why. Nice. We also have a new mic that we debuted down. last episode. Um, so also, if anything sounded kind of funny last time, we're still working out the kinks with this new mic. But we're very happy to have it. Hopefully it sounds better this week. Oh, yeah. We'll see. So we're going to start this we're going to start the show. <laughs> We're going to start the show uh, with a little bit of promotions this time. Uh, the podcast community is has been showing a lot of love, haven't they, Jordan? Been supportive so far. Yeah. We've got a few shows that have been giving us some support, and we really just want to show the love back. And we know that we're not the only podcast you guys listen to. It's like TV. Everybody's got like 10, 12 like, shows that they cycle through all the time. And there's so many now. Yeah. So we want to show you guys not just a show that's helping us out, but one of my personal favorite shows, Graveyard Tales. And after we show you guys this podcast, I want to give you guys a little snippet of a song from an up-and-coming band um, that I'm a very good friend with. That band's name is Rags and Riches, and their song that's out right now is Speed of Sound. So sit back and enjoy while we go get some s'mores for the campfire. Good evening, everybody, or morning or afternoon or whatever. It doesn't matter. We are Graveyard Tales. Now, if you like ghost stories, hauntings, cryptid encounters, and the weird history behind them, then you should join us in the graveyard. You can find us on any of your favorite podcast providers. Check out our website at graveyardpodcast.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at GRV. I just go search Graveyard Tales. That would be easier. Now we hope to see you in the graveyard. So those are great. Uh, Once again, the podcast that you need to be checking out is Graveyard Tales and that band, which you definitely need to download their new song, Speed of Sound, is Rags and Riches. All right. So we've got a pretty big topic this week, Jordan. So I think we should just not waste any time and jump right in. What do you have for us this week? Ryan, this week's topic is the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. Ooh. Um, I was unaware that there was so much doubt and um, disbelief and just and lore around her disappearance. Um, oh, I feel like it's on par with like Princess Di with as many like theories there are. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's had that much time and yet still people are like flocking to it and, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how it happened or what happened. Um, well, let's get right into it. A little uh, little brief bio for you first for those unfamiliar. All right, so a little uh, little info on the person herself, first and foremost, as we're um, acclimated here. Amelia Mary Earhart was born on July 24th, 1897, which places our birthdays exactly 95 years apart. Born on the same day, though, that's cool. Um, she was born in Atchison, Kansas. Were you also born in Atchison, Kansas? Or? No, I was born in Vacaville, mm. little cow town. 
California. Vacaville, I didn't know that. I always thought Sacramento. Nope. Yeah, Vacaville, and then straight over to Fairfield. Yeah. Okay, so she was uh, an American aviation pioneer and author. She was the first female aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean, and she received the United States Distinguished Flying Cross for this accomplishment. So um, she had set many other records, wrote many best-selling books about her um, about her experiences. Oh, I didn't and, know she wrote books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she uh, she was an author as well, and she was instrumental in the formation of the 99s, which was an organization for female pilots back then. Oh, and and what years were she was she flying again? Well, she was born in 1897. Um, so, like, probably, like, early 1900s, like, 20s, 30s. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool that there was that many women flying in general at that time. I, w- I wouldn't think there was even that many women piloting planes at that time. Yeah. I didn't get I didn't get a whole lot as far as, like, what year she was, like, her, her beginnings, mm-hmm. um, as far as, like, her first couple flights or how long she had been doing it specifically. I just know kind of, like, where it began and where it ended. Yeah. Um... But well, the in, end is what everybody cares about. Well, anyway. yeah, yeah, that's what we're getting to. In 1935, um, she became a visiting faculty member at Purdue University as an advisor to aeronautical engineering. Oh, and a career counselor to women students. So she was an advisor for to aeronautical engineering and a career counselor for women students. So she when did she sleep? I don't know. Hopefully not in her plane. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> she was also she was also a member of the National Women's Party and an early supporter of the Equal Rights Amendment, which that didn't surprise me. Yeah, being in everything that she was, including herself in. Um, so here's where things go wrong. Uh, during an attempt to make a circumnavigational flight of the globe in 1937. In a Purdue-funded Lockheed Model 10E Electra, fancy-sounding plane. Yes, sounds really cool. Something we should have now. Um, her and her navigator Fred Noonan disappeared over the Central Pacific Ocean near Howland Island, which I believe is near, um, somewhat near Hawaii. Okay, coming okay. to Hawaii. Um, but so circumnavigational flight, she was going to go around the world entirely. And I'm not sure if that was just to see back then, like, if it could be done in that plane or or what. But um, What was the name of the place that she... I, mean, I know the Central Pacific, but mm-hmm. what was the... Howland Island? Okay. I just was curious because I thought it was a little farther than Hawaii that she had witnessed. Yeah. It, it's, so that, that specific island that you had mentioned... It's about halfway between Hawaii and Australia, just and Australia. for reference for people. Okay. okay so. Which is not a short distance. No, it's not. I mean, uh, but on January 5th, 1939, so two years later, she was finally declared dead in absentia, hmm. which we know that term from an earlier episode that I've done. It is um, declared dead not by any specific proof but kind of a lack there of proof of like being alive mm-hmm. so they like literally no remains or anything like that so they just couldn't find her for so long that which i feel was much more common until probably like this 50s yeah well i mean back then there was there was so much room for error and you know it was you know i feel like that's kind of based on context like she was flying we lost sight and sound of her and she never came back so after a couple of years we're like well she's got to be dead i think she's dead yeah well and she was a worldwide celebrity mm-hmm. so it wasn't like if she had turned turned up i don't know if just about any other country with any form of media they would have known who she was yeah well i mean flight for I mean, women specifically was huge back then so i mean you see a woman getting out of an airplane anywhere else in the world and that's i'm sure there was press or or something about law and flocking to her yeah the celebrity kind of thing as you said um but what really happened to her you know fascination with her life career and disappearance continues to this day and the following theories hope to shine a light on the mystery no 
I found ten. I like this. I like that we're kind of like like everyone has heard of Amelia. Everyone kind of knows her general story. Yeah. And I like that we're spending the meat of this on like where she ended up or what happened to her versus like here's the steps that made Amelia Amelia that everybody knows. And her accolades. Yeah. Which don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from her. She was a tremendous woman. Did amazing things. Mm-hmm. But I just like that we're focusing the show a little bit more on. On the mystery part of it, which is supposed to be what we do. Well, that's so. what makes this us. <laughs> Make it happen, Jordan. All right, so I found a list. Um, there was this was the biggest list that I found. It was it was ten different theories that were um, they they kind of range in feasibility, but uh, as far as that in comparison to most of the other sites and stuff like that, I was checking records. Um, a lot of places have like smaller lists, but they're all encompassed by this one big one that I found. So we're just gonna we're gonna go with it. We're the first the first and and then they call this number ten. I'm not sure if this was supposed to be the most believable or unbelievable. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. um, but it's just number ten, uh, and that is that she crashed near Buka Island in 2011. Um, no 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 that she crashed near Buka Island. That's what I said. It's a long yeah. flight. <laughs> um, in 2011, locals in Papua New Guinea—I think that's how you say it. Yeah, yeah, I think oh, you hit the Papua nail on the head. Um, claimed that they found parts of the wreckage of Earhart's plane on a reef near Buka Island in Bougainville, which is—I mean, that's got to be. Yeah, that's. I don't, I'm not sure where in Papua New Guinea that is. Buka Island, Bougainville. Buka Island. Yeah, Bougain is not spelled how you think it would be. So, just out of curiosity, I pulled it up on maps real quick, and it looks... It looks feasible. Like, if... if it, at least it looks feasible in comparison to where they speculate, where the official report speculates that she... the, the area that she went went down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit northeast of Australia. Oh, okay. So... A little bit of reference there. Might have just missed her mark. Yeah. Um, okay, so Papua New Guinea was the last stop Earhart and Noonan made before they disappeared. And a team was assembled to examine the wreckage, which uh, was discovered by divers. One diver e- even confirmed that he found two skulls in the cockpit that likely belonged to the missing pair. Wait, I'm confused. This is in 2011. Yeah, but you said... So you said that they think that she went missing over they say that she crashed near buka island yeah but they and no, they no, no, so, no. but they say that that was the last place that she visited too originally you said that the what was it howland howland mm-hmm. you said originally you said that um howland is where they thought that she was like where she was lost at but her last official stop was Papua new guinea which is past that yeah so I don't know if like if she was coming. I don't know so maybe she didn't maybe she didn't come from the U.S. maybe she was oh okay going the other way around maybe coming from Australia I'm not... yeah I'm not sure I mean if that was her last stop so she started in the U.S. went like Europe Asia and then supposedly went down mm-hmm. you said between Australia and Hawaii mm-hmm. between there and us and then Papua New Guinea's like Papua New Guinea's like just north of north of Australia up here yeah, I don't know. Um, so apparently the the cockpit had two skulls in it um, that like that he, that he thinks belonged to them. Uh, local Poppy New Poppy <laughs> Papa New Guinea newspaper <laughs> Poppy New Guinea. Did we go to South America for a minute, Poppy? <laughs> um, newspaper Post Courier reported the crash site is in direct alignment with Earhart's flight path out of Ley. Okay. Passed north of Buka Island in a straight northeast direction to Howland. Okay. So okay. apparently that was the traje- trajectory. Okay, that clear. See, I just should have kept my mouth shut and sense. all my, my questions Yeah, we're going to get there, Ryan. We're going to Excuse get me, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, adding that there were strong indications that this was the missing plane. However, skeptics were not convinced, and Rick Gillespie, the executive director of the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery... It's a long one. International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery said the discovery of the wreckage did not match up with the last known radio transmissions received from Earhart, which placed her 320 kilometers 
about 200 miles from Howland Island. Okay. Hmm. So radio signals don't match up? Radio transmissions? Which, that's just the last known radio transmissions. I'm, we're mm-hmm. not sure of how long like they had lost transmission versus when she had ran out of fuel or crashed or mm-hmm. otherwise. Again, I mean, you know, we only had, so the technology was only so good back mm-hmm. then, so. We only had so much wiring up, I suppose. Um, but it's kind of funny, the things that, like, some old technology is really the best in some cases. Like how people still play records because mm-hmm. they say the sound quality is the best. Yeah, um, people swear by it. Like, you have, like, shortwave radio, which mm-hmm. can go all the way around the world. And the ham radios. Yeah. And, yeah. But I don't, they probably couldn't have outfitted that onto a plane at the time. Plus, I'm sure they were trying to save as much weight as they could on the plane so they could have as much gas on there as possible so they could make as long Ooh, a yeah, trip. for a transcontinental yeah. back then with like less efficient fuels, I'm assuming. Yeah, so I'm sure they're trying to keep the plane as light as possible. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's the first one. That's the first little theory was that she crashed as opposed to near Howland Island, um, more specifically towards Papua New Guinea. So Baca. Buka. 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 Dang it. Yeah. If we have any listeners there, I'm sorry. Baca. <laughs> so. Chewy. So they, but they, so they found the skulls there. Mm-hmm. But what, what else? Because I feel like they would have found some personal effects that would have been like, oh yeah, this was a man and a woman, or something along those lines at least. So. I actually looked up something that was related to that that kind of went in more in detail mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this kind of goes in more into the TIGHAR or the that International Group for Historic Air, Aircraft Recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just I'll just go into what I what I found on on them really quick, and then it kind of goes more in detail why they kind of discounted this this whole theory. Oh, did I jump the gun again? No, 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 no. Okay. It's it's towards the end. I didn't realize that at the beginning that these two were were linked. Um, that Tikhar was founded in 1985, and this is the same organization that found that crash in 2011 in Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. Um, researchers have been combing this island, Nikumaroro, since 1989, assembling a collection of artifacts that includes improvised tools, shoe remnants, and aircraft wreckage that is consistent with Earhart's um, Electra E10 or 10E. Mm-hmm. Um, during a 2010 expedition, the team uncovered some compelling clues while foraging in a spot where they had previously identified traces of a campfire. Uh, they came across three pieces of a pocket knife, shells that had been cut open, fragments of a glass cosmetic jar, bits of makeup, and perhaps most intriguing of all, bone fragments that may have been from a human. Hmm. They returned to the site located in the Pacific Republic of Kiribati in July of 2012, armed with two underwater research vehicles capable of collecting hours of data. Um, The mission was cut short due to technical issues and inclement weather, um, but the team spent several months scouring the materials that they had collected. Almost immediately, imaging specialists identified a debris field approximately 600 feet below the surface which contains several man-made objects. And most importantly, the location, shape, and size of the debris field matches up with a photograph that many believe holds the key to the mystery of Amelia Earhart's disappearance, which is apparently called the Bevington photo. This grainy underwater photograph of what appears to be a large man-made object jutting off out of out off the coast of island Nikamaroro was captured by British naval officer Eric Bevington in October of 1937, just, man, just months after Earhart had vanished. The team at Tighart had long suspected that the debris captured in the Bevington photo was actually the landing gear from Earhart's plane. Tighart's next step will be the recovery of the items in the debris field, though the non-profit group has not yet begun to raise the more than $3 million needed for the mission. So that is currently in the works. Hmm. So that is yet to be, we're jumping ahead to the end here, but that's that's yet to be determined, but potentially her landing gear. I mean, it sounds pretty solid. I mean, like, not even, I don't even want to acknowledge the makeup because that makes me sound sexist. 
And I'm sure she was not trying to use makeup while they're stranded on an island. Yeah. But more of the things of the campfire and the other other items that were found, it just, it sounds like it fits. Well, like the skull, or like the, the human fragments and bone fragments and stuff like that. And... Which I imagine you'd probably break something in a crash like that. Oh, yeah, there's no way you're going to go down in a plane and not. Also, uh, I feel like, I guess you could walk away and skate. It's rare, though. Also, I have to have to say, Nika Mororo. Did I say that right? Nika Mororo. Yeah, that sounds like a very good but silly anime from like the nineties. It does. It does. Nika Mororo. <laughs> <laughs> I put it up there with Yu Yu Hakusho and Naruto, I guess. Yeah. Um. Okay. So okay, so we're gonna we're gonna come back to that because that's kind of how. I have to say that's that might be the most feasible. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming that this is the most feasible okay. um, explanation. Yeah, it is because number, <laughs> number two was like abducted by aliens. So, but you know, <laughs> we're gonna have fun with those aliens. Okay, so we started off in the wrong spot, but we learned a little bit, and now we're gonna get into some more of the fun stuff. Sorry, I got questions like my wife. You're good. <laughs> you're good, man. It's what, it's what you're here for. She okay. So number nine. <laughs> Was she became a castaway on Nicomarero Island. All right. Or at the time, which I should have been calling it this entire time, was referred to as Gardner Island. Ah. Ah. According to a study published by Forensic Anthropology in 2018, Earhart's bones were discovered on the western Pacific island of Nicomarero, proving that she crashed there and died as a castaway. Their report claimed the bones were a 99% match with the famed pilot who was known to have flown close to the island during her doomed last journey. The remains were recovered in 1940 by a party who were exploring the island for uh, possible habitation, and they also found a bottle of Benedictine, which is an herbal liqueur that Earhart was known to carry. Huh. A little spirit for herself, I'm assuming? I mean, you'd want to have a little something to... Maybe not even celebrate the full trip, just celebrate making it to another stop. Yeah. But, wait, so they say they forensically proved that it's her? Unfortunately, the bones were lost. Of course they were. (laughs) So further analysis was not possible. Instead, researchers compared a record of the remains to photographs of Earhart, which is going to be totally inconclusive. But what I want to know is how do you forensically compare those bones and say that, yeah, it's 99% her because... You have to have a sample to compare that to. So you would think. Unless somebody's got a lock of um, Earhart's hair that they're using for that or something along those lines. I don't know how they could have compared that. But hey, I'm also not a forensic scientist. I mean, I don't know if they just mean because of her build and her like her makeup, but well, what are you basing your 99% off of? You don't know because you lost your bones. <laughs> you lost everything you had. Um... So, okay, so they compared it to photos, which is not going to do anything. Um, but the report stated, this analysis strongly supports the conclusion that the Nicomororo bones belong to Amelia Earhart. And until definitive evidence is presented that the remains are not those of Amelia Earhart, the most convincing argument is that they are. I'm not going to hate on it too hard, because we did just talk about... That's like, that's like them saying, well, we have no proof. <laughs> but... We are claiming this, and if you have nothing to disprove it, this is the reality. This is the truth. Well, I'm not going to hate on it too bad because what we just talked about earlier with with the skulls and everything else they found, that island was mentioned and it is not far. Yeah. So I wouldn't totally rule it out. But well, within it, context, yeah. But I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't help when you when you. But whenever you're like, oh, we lost our bones. How are you fumbling <laughs> a million your heart's bones? You had one job. Not oh my god. That seems that. to creep up like in a lot of true crime stories of the late 1800s and early 1900s, and I'm like, what were people doing with bones back then? How did they get misplaced so easily? Yeah, like where are these bones ending up? I don't know. They should stay put. Um, so that's, that's the Nika Mororo one. Okay. Um, number eight, she was taken hostage by the Japanese. I like this one. I've actually heard this one before. One of the most popular conspiracy theories surrounding the disappearance of Earhart was that she was captured by the Japanese and taken hostage. 
Relations between the U.S. and Japan had been fractured since Japan attacked China in 1931. However, this theory was discredited as, during attempts to find the missing pilot, the State Department received a phone call from the Japanese embassy in Washington asking if they needed assistance. Again, this is written weird. Um, I'm assuming what that means is that U.S. wasn't intent wasn't expecting any help from Japan because they weren't so cool because Japan had just attacked China, which I think was allied at that point. Um, but they called to ask if I guess we needed help finding Amelia. Um, Very neighborly. Yeah. So Greg Bradshaw, senior archivist of archivist of at the National Archives, reported that Amelia Earhart's disappearance brought together the two countries in a combined search search effort. The Japanese government allowed closed territory to Westerners, uh, including the Japanese Mandate Islands, to no longer be restricted, which helped the search. However, the relationship didn't last long, as on December 7, 1941, we're talking. Ten years later, Japan launched the surprise attack on the U.S. naval base at Pearl Harbor. More than more than 2,300 Americans died in the attack, and over 1,100 were wounded. The following day, President Franklin D. Roosevelt declared war on Japan. That so that's all that that one gave me. But mm-hmm. I had heard I might be able to throw a little bit more in this one. Yeah, I had heard through a little bit of. Research, not that I did for this show, but just out of general curiosity, Mm -hmm. that Amelia was actually pretty close with Roosevelt's wife at the time. And they would be seen together in in company of the Roosevelt's, Mm -hmm. her and Amelia and her husband. Um, And that kind of fueled a little bit of fire to this of that they, whether knowingly or unknowingly, were a part of a spy mission. And they had, like, cameras might have been attached to the plane for surveillance. And we're getting there. Oh, good, good. I thought you didn't have it, so that's why I was throwing it Number in. seven, she was a spy. There we go. There we go. <laughs> See, I don't know. See, we're getting through it, It's kind of strange because they kind of take all these theories and just cut them in half. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just the bare. Well, we're lumping them all together. The bare you. men's here. What, what is our source for this so we don't get sued, Jordan? Um, let me pull that up for you. And our source for this is onelistverse.com. And the title of the, um, of the article is 10 Conspiracy Theories for the Disappearance of Amelia Earhart. All right. That was published this year, January 7, 2019. So it's current. That's good. Cool. Um, but yes, a little a little shoddy. Hey, everybody. Ryan just jumping in real quick. Um, apparently, there was some kind of crazy car chase or something going on because sirens continue to go in the background for the next couple of minutes. Um, funny because we didn't even hear them while we were recording because we were so deep into Amelia Earhart. I don't know. Um, but yeah, just wanted to give you guys a heads up. You're probably going to hear some sirens in the background for the next like two minutes, three, maybe. I don't know. But I just didn't want you guys to hear it and be mad. Like, sorry, I found it while editing. Try to clean it up as best I can. But uh, I don't really think it takes away too much. But I know sometimes that little background noise can get annoying. So sorry about that. And back to the show. The writing. Was she a spy? Was Amelia Earhart actually a spy for the U.S. government? According to the book Lost Star, The Search for Amelia Earhart by Randall Brink, the answer is yes. Brink claims that Earhart was placed on a mission to take pictures of the military bases on several Japanese islands and that her plane was secretly equipped with gadgets to spy with. Unlike the hostage theory, Brink claims that she was shot down by the Japanese when she entered forbidden territory. His evidence to support these claims came from a, from interviewing a technician who said, I recall that I was directed to cut two, two 16 to 18 inch diameter holes for the cameras, which were to be mounted in the lower aft fuselage bay and would be electrically operated. So cameras for the plane. Hmm. 
Brink also added that he had documents obtained under the Freedom, Freedom of Information Act, which provided that Earhart's final flight was equipped with the latest military navigation equipment at the time. So yeah, potentially cameras, cameras in her plane. I wouldn't be surprised on Japanese bases. I wouldn't even be surprised if like she didn't even know it and they just had decided to attach them. I mean, granted, I'm I'm sure she probably did throw checks of her plane and she probably would have been like, hey, what are these? Um, but you know, I mean, stranger things have happened mm-hmm. than than the military deciding to put a few extra cameras on a on a plane. And honestly, I wouldn't blame them. Well, yeah, well, I mean, and you're set for a for an intercontinental flight or like a what do they call that? A, what was that that term? Tran no circumnavigational flight. There you go. So all the way around the world, I'm pretty sure that they can just they can pivot you, position you right to go right over Japan, and you'll be spying for them without even. Well, and at this time, a lot of a lot of Asian countries like that we didn't have good relations with. Yeah. We'd only just recently began to really have any kind of relations with them at all mm-hmm. um, and I think that there were certain countries like Japan at the time that we could tell probably weren't going to go our way yeah. so they were just trying to get what intel they could I wouldn't be surprised if that, that happened well yeah I mean it was a tough time so. and if she did get shot down I I definitely would be surprised if we never would have seen anything from that like plane gone, them gone Oh yeah, especially in that that turmoil at that time. I've even heard that there's a few. I'm, I'm, I don't know from who. I can't remember, um, but there are a few testimonies of people in Japan at that time claiming they have seen Amelia. Well, not specifically Amelia. I believe it was more accurately stated as just a white woman and white man, mm-hmm. which at that time there's not a lot of traveling to Japan, so. True. You know, kind of slim pickings. Um, well, to speak to that, another theory is that she survived and lived on the Marshall Islands. Um, a photo from the 1930s found in the U.S. National Archives has been touted as proof that Amelia Earhart was alive on the then-Japanese Marshall Islands. The black-and-white picture taken by a possible U.S. spy in I got a bunch of this. Jaluit Atoll. J-A-L-U-I-T-A-T-O-L-L. Jaluit Atoll, I'm assuming. That kind of sounds French. It does. It's believed to show Amelia with her back to the camera. Um, as well as Fred Noonan, which was the navigator, and their plane in the corner. The History Channel released the image, which triggered the conspiracy theory in 2017, 80 years after her disappearance. Um, Rick Gillespie, author of Finding Amelia, disagrees with this theory. He said, the photograph has people convinced, and let's use our heads for a minute. It's it's undated. They think it's from 1937. If it's from July 1st, 1937, then it can't be Amelia because she hadn't taken off yet. He added, if it's from 1935 or 1938, it can't be her. The photograph has to be has to have been taken within a, a very narrow window, within a couple of days when she disappeared. So it's unlikely that that happens to be that that would happen to be her. And although he is unconvinced, many other online theorists believe this photo is solid evidence that she did not crash. So one picture had people all up in arms about it. Well, I mean, one picture of a lot of things. That's could. true. <laughs> But I think it's interesting it's in the National Archives. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that gives it a little weight. And if nothing else, you can tell it's kind of like, well, just in case we're going to hang on to this, in yeah. case it ends up being actually Amelia. Well, and Gillespie keeps popping up through this. He's that guy who, who uh, started the... Tiger? The Tig, tig Har. Ah. Yeah. Take him close. We'll call it Tiger. <laughs> I like that better. Um... Okay, so number five, she was held prisoner and executed in Saipan. Uh, one man who has a theory about the death of Amelia Earhart is William Sablin, whose uncle worked at a prison on the island of Saipan in 1937. This is what I opened my big mouth up about earlier, because I'm like here saying all of my facts. They're all getting lumped, and now you're explaining them as you should be. You know? And this is why Jordan's leading this episode. Got the info right here? <laughs> um, oh, is that what you had heard about? Was the... Yeah. Um... 
Okay, so worked at a prison on the island of Saipan in 1937. He alleged that both Earhart and Noonan, were, her navigator, were held captive at the prison before their execution. Sablin recalled that he had dreams of becoming a pilot, and when he told his uncle this, he heard the story of how two Americans crashed near Saipan and were imprisoned for two or three days. Sablin said that they were both killed in Saipan and buried there. After the war was over, their bodies were exhumed by an American military branch and shipped back to the United States. Where those bodies are now is somebody's own question to answer. Sorry, that's written so weird. In 1960, though, a similar theory was floated when a CBS reporter said locals on the Marshall Islands had confirmed the death of two spies shortly after, shortly before the beginning of World War II. That all sounds so hearsay. A little bit. That's all word of mouth. Yeah. We're, we're going to stick with number 10. Like, the, first, the one that we started <laughs> with is definitely our most feasible one. I mean, I'm still like, I like the spy theory, personally. I do, too. I mean, it's definitely more feasible than the next one. I mean, she became a New Jersey housewife. Well, I mean, you know, she was in the limelight. Maybe she just was like, oh, you know what, I'm going to kick back. In the Garden State, it's beautiful there. Shout out to, um, oh, Lord, I'm going to forget the name of it. I've been there like four times. Oh, to New Jersey? Yeah. What's the name of the beach? Shout out to Wildwood. Been there a couple times. You know, it's Jersey's beautiful. Maybe Amelia just wanted to kick back. Go to the beach every now and then. Live the simple life. Um, maybe that could be. Uh, apparently, apparently that's what that's what this guy thinks. Um, the book written about it, Amelia Earhart Lives by Joe Class, published in the 1970s, claimed that Amelia was rescued from the Japanese government by the U.S. military and ended up in New Jersey under the new identi- identity of housewife Irene Bolam. So like a new a new name. Mm-hmm. Um, the book attempted to give evidence to support this theory, including that Earhart and Bolam appeared strikingly similar and were both trained pilots. This theory was not too popular with Bolam, who denied she was a pilot and sued both class and the publisher, <laughs> which was McGraw Hill. That's a big that's a big one. I wonder if she won. Oh, she did. The amount Bolam received was not made public, and it's believed the case was settled out of court, and the publisher pulled the book from the shelves. The book was simply dismissed as speculation and proof only that people really will believe anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so funny that a majority of, of these, like, where people actually have, like, or seem to have solid proof, or are saying anything against it, like, somehow it keeps going wrong. I mean, their bones disappeared. This guy's book of potential facts gets dismissed and pulled off shelves. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I don't know. Number three is that she was a Tokyo Rose. Tokyo Rose. Jordan, what is a Tokyo Rose? It's a name given... Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase. Um, it's a name given to collect to collectively refer to female English speaking broadcasters of Japanese propaganda. Yeah. It's Tokyo Rose. The term was first coined by allied troops in the South Pacific during World War II. Several propaganda broadcasters worked under different aliases and would attempt to demoralize allied troops by spreading word of their military losses. Shortly after the end of World War II, a rumor had begun that Amelia was one of those Tokyo Rose broadcasters. This theory was disputed by George Putnam, an American publisher, author, and explorer who was married to Amelia from 1931 up to her disappearance. He investigated the claim by listening to hours of the propaganda, and he never recognized any of the voices belonging to his wife. Following the disappearance, Putnam published three books about his wife's love of aviation. Fun fact. Number two. This is Well, hold on. Before we roll into that one, I've got I've to believe Putnam. Cause I feel like, that he didn't hear. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, I know, I know. Even let's say, let's say she crash landed in mm-hmm. Japan. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start blending a few things together. Yeah. Let's say she crash landed in Saipan, Japan, something along. All theoreticals here, yeah. And she, let's say she was brainwashed after that. Okay. Um, let's say like a number station situation. Because mm-hmm. um, you you hear stories of, of things like that where people will meet a loved one after they go through something like that and they don't even recognize them. But I feel like True. I feel like after listening to all of those tapes, 
for your, and, being, and with your wife being missing, all you want to do, like he probably like sleeps at night hearing her in his dreams. And they would have been married six years at that point. So I'm sure he would have recognized his wife. That's probably so. all he wanted to hear. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, if there's a chance that she's out there, especially. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I was very distracted because there's an ant crawling across my microphone. Uh-oh. Oh, well, it was out in the garage, though, so. Huh. Time to go get my chemicals. Yeah. December 2. This is the the, <laughs> the best one. Uh, was that she was, she, she was abducted by aliens. Yes! So we have a little bit of a little bit of crossover here. We have an alien abduction slash uh, just famous disappearance. Um, this theory that Earhart was abducted um, by aliens is not too surprising, as similar conspiracy theories surrounding the dis- disappearances of aircraft have been around for decades. The alien abduction theory even featured on an episode of the science fiction television show Star Trek Voyager. I had no idea. No way. The plot is that Earhart was abducted and locked in a cryostasis chamber on another planet. That's what's up. I mean, that'd be dope. a little cold, but that's what's yeah, up. Well, yeah. She's alive, though. A little nipply, you might say. Oh. <laughs> you went there. Uh, alien abduction theories usually surround aviation disappearances where no wreckage or remains of the missing persons have been found. They simply just appear to have evaporated into thin air. The 2014 disappearance of Malaysia Airlines Flight 370, which went missing somewhere over the Indian Indian Ocean, also received the same treatment from the conspiracy theorists. Nowadays, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. I thought I heard about that. 2014. So, oh yeah, you definitely. Did they find that? No, no. That so that's probably going to be an episode. Yeah. In itself, yeah, that's that's interesting. Ooh, another fun one. But I don't feel making that comparison is fair because all they're going off of is. Geography and I, even the geography is kind of loose at, at best with mm-hmm. that too. I mean, I think you're just talking about like a quarter of the world at that point. But if you're just saying based off the fact that there's a lack of wreckage and anything like that, we're talking a commercial airliner versus a very small plane. Yeah, a personal two two people. So yeah, I big difference. And and if all you're basing your abduction theory on. See, see, I'm not anti-alien abduction theory. Want that known? I don't think that there's this many. We're actually talking about the very first widely reported abduction case next next week in our next episode. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So I haven't I, heard anything about this. Oh yeah, it's gonna be good. I've been diving in hard. So I'm all about abductions right now. Did you fall down a hole? I fell, slipped, and tripped. Down a hole. Okay. Uh, but with alien abductions, if all you're going to base the fact you think Amelia was abducted on is that there's no evidence that they're there, they're flying over the largest ocean in the world mm-hmm. with the least, like, tiny dot, tiny, yeah, tiny islands dotted across, not like huge continents. Well, in depths that we can't even reach. Yeah. We're talking Mariana Trench. We're talking yeah. super deep. The, like, we can't even set subs down today, mm-hmm. much less the 30s. Yeah. So. I'm sure they weren't equipped. I, yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say you're right. The comparison's unfair, but. I would even buy it a little bit more if they were like, oh, at the same time, people reported seeing strange lights or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, at least you got a little something going on with it. But you're like, oh, no. There, we couldn't find anything. Mm, she was abducted. I could just be like, oh, she fell in a time slip. Yeah, or, straight to that. Like I, another dimension. Hey, hey, don't you knock other dimensions? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not knocking. I just think it's it's funny that I I do feel like those are some of the ones that people would go to like the quickest. Some of the cop out. Just, just come with evidence if you're going to go that bold. You know? Yeah. yeah. Again, I don't know why that was included in here. Because um, it's fun. It is fun though. Um. Okay, so. Okay, so nowadays missing planes are very rare due to, due, due to the automatic dependent surveillance broadcast system, which automatically reports the position of airplanes to air traffic controllers and also nearby aircraft. Is that the black box? Good to know. I'm assuming though, because I think there's something called like the black box that automatic dependent surveillance broadcast (ADSB). But she had took flight across the Pacific only around 34 years after people had begun flying planes, and it's more likely she was simply victim to technologies that failed her. I wouldn't be surprised, especially with all the storm activity that happens over 
especially over those seas. Because mm-hmm. you hear about the typhoons that hit over in those areas all the time, and it's just, it's insane. Oh, yeah, I feel like so many things could have gone wrong. I mean... Especially in the beginning, in the early days. Aviators now mm-hmm. have hard enough time trying to navigate that yeah. with everything we have currently, much less shortly after flight even began. Mm-hmm. So. so I'm not sure, given that, given that the last one was... I'm just going to say, I'm assuming she probably wasn't abducted by aliens, but it feels like we've gotten a little bit less feasible or reasonable <laughs> explanations as we go. Um, that's not to say that this next one is unreasonable. but um, So this is number one. But again, I still think the number ten is the most likely. This one is that she survived and changed her identity for national security reasons. For those who enjoy happy endings, there's the widely believed theory that Amelia survived the trip and returned home safely and secretly. The 1943 movie Flight for Freedom, starring Rosalind Russell, or Rosalind Russell as a pilot clearly based on Earhart, helped to fuel rumors that President Franklin D. Roosevelt had enlisted Earhart as a spy. Earhart's real final flight over the, over the Pacific, Pacific, Pacific Ocean was reported around the world, which would make for a strange spy story, because you wouldn't want that to be publicly known, you wouldn't think. She was also widely recognized as a famous aviator in her own right, which, even when considering a change of identity, would have also made it difficult for her to completely disappear disappear from the spotlight. About $4 million was spent on the rescue mission to find both Earhart and Noonan, but the search was not successful. Their, their their disappearance is still one of the biggest aviation mysteries of all time. I don't know. I have a hard time seeing why, even the motivation, of why she would just want to come back and be quiet about it. Right. Because that didn't seem like her personality. No, I mean she was she was she had herself involved in so many different things at that time. Not that she, I'm saying she was like over boastful or anything like that. No, but but why why even take out on this voyage? I mean, you could have. I don't know. If you wanted to go in hiding, there were so many other ways. It, c- it could have happened earlier in the journey. I think she was like halfway or three-quarters of the way through the journey when this happened. Well, yeah, and I feel like she was doing so many things that were already bigger than herself. Like, she was she was part of these, you know, getting, you know, flight flight programs started for women and and working at colleges as, as you know, uh, what do they call that, career counselor. Mm-hmm. Um well, and even if she doing so many helpful things, even if she got to the point where she's like, "Oh, I'm doing too much, and I can't handle this, and mm-hmm. I just want to ease back a little bit," she could have like took her money and ran off to like Colombia or something, and no one would have ever known that. Like she could have done it that way. I well, mean, yeah, you wouldn't think that she would just would have gone and come back just to be like, "Oh, well, now we're gonna say that I'm dead." That's my main thing, is you, I don't feel like she would have accomplished something as monumental as that and not let it be known. Right? If, yeah, I can understand if she didn't want to do this. We'll say hypothetically if this is how she wanted to slip into disappearance. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been, um, I guess, like a shorter journey or something. She wouldn't have completed it, basically, like they're saying. Well, yeah, I definitely, I feel like she doesn't seem like the person to, the kind to fake her own death or anything like that, yeah. so. I feel like it would have been something more along the lines of, instead of like, oh, I'm going to go all the way around the world, it would have been something along the lines of, um, I don't know, like fastest journey to, from like here to Africa mm-hmm. or something like that. Something that's not quite as far, you're still out in the middle of open ocean, so like if you bailed, let's say you bailed out of the plane so you could even leave a crash plane for evidence mm-hmm. and be picked up by the government. First off, that's a lot of money that the government is willing to put into your disappearance. Four million? Yeah. Well, then that's just the search and rescue. That's just the search and rescue. That, that's not counting, if this was the case, new identities, um, um, the the recovery mm-hmm. of her from this. Well, yeah, it's... All, the, all the red tape you have to put up over yeah. all of it. And, and not, that, not that I'm saying she wasn't important uh, enough to the government, even though she wasn't like employed by the military or anything like that. Um, we discussed she was friends with Roosevelt. Yeah, close to the president. Um, and things like that. I just don't feel... I just didn't... doesn't seem plausible to me. Yeah, that's... It's okay, so we're cool. We're both on, we're both on the very, like, that's super unlikely. 
So I think it all comes back to that um, that first that first one when we were looking at the the crash on Nikomaroro. Well, okay, so okay, so not necessarily Nikomaroro, but in Buka. Did I do it right that Buka. time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Buka Island. Um, and I told you we were gonna we were gonna kind of circle back. There was a little bit more with Tiger and Gillespie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think Gillespie. Um, you know what? I'm jumping the gun again. You go ahead and tell about Gillespie, Jordan. Okay, so this is all this is all through um, Tig Hart, but apparently on a diving expedition in August of 2018. Divers with Project Blue Angel said that a, um, that that sunken plane matched certain characteristics of Earhart's plane, which was the Lockheed Electra 10E. Um, the team also found a disc that could cost, possibly be a light lens from the front of the plane. Which I'm assuming it's just to like maybe refract and keep it out of whatever the um, pilot's face. Mm-hmm. It's uh, so they said that it's obviously glass that appears to be old and covered significantly with barnacles. Um, it has a rough shape and diameter that appears to be relatively consistent with lights that were on a plane back in the 1930s for for the Lockheeds. Um, but we don't know for sure if it is a Lockheed light. That's what we're getting checked right now. So this is this is last year. Um, so they've been working on this for a long time. Uh, this guy named Snavely. If that doesn't sound evil, I don't know what does. His full name is... Let me see here. Is he the next James Bond villain? He should be. We're we're talking about Project Blue Angel here. They're the ones who did this expedition in 2018, led by William Snavely. Project Blue Angel, like like the Blue Angels, the, the fighter pilots? I'm, I'm assuming that's what it's referring to. I think it's just like... But you, you know what I'm talking about, right? They do like the air shows and everything like that? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think those are called Blue Angels, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, what they called a Project Blue Angel, led by William Snavely. He was the one who was telling them that, you know, about the, the light from the the plane and thinking that it, that it was from the Lockheed. Uh, he was... William Snavely was a social worker who used to work for the state of Maryland... Um, and he's been in, interested in Amelia Earhart since he was a kid when he used to build model airplanes. He even had a toy replica of her plane, specifically the Electra 10E. Um, but most Earhart sleuths were looking for the crash near Howland Island, which was like the, the original where she went down. Um, but few had searched the beginning 70% of her route. William had realized, Snavely. Uh, so that's what he set out to do. And apparently in 2005, he flew over to Rabal, Papua New Guinea, with the plan of talking to locals who might have information about a mysterious plane clat, plane clat, plane clat. <laughs> I totally reversed it. Oh my God, so many cuts in this episode. Gotta look out for the planes. Plane clash. Oh my God. Okay, plane crash. Oh, it's late. Uh, almost immediately... Snavely met a corrections officer at his hotel who had knowledge of a crash that the that a little boy um, saw off the coast of Papua New Guinea a couple years ago. Apparently, another man free diving for sponges spotted this wreck in 1995. So they're talking about the wreck, the one that we that we had talked about, the okay. with the skulls and everything. Yeah, the yeah, skulls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Apparently, another man freediving for sponges spotted the wreck in 1995, verifying the boy's account. The boy, apparently, this young man was the first to see that wreck. Um, the once little boy was still alive in 1995 when the diver first spotted the plane, but has since passed away. So there's no way to verify his story. Lovely. Uh, the corrections officer asked Snavely for five characteristics that set the Electra apart from the other planes. I don't know specifically what those are um he goes through what like what features he says that um that that way he could have the sponge diver revisit the wreckage to see if it matched up and i believe the electra itself was a very um not limited release they didn't produce many of the electras at Mm -hmm. least not of that type i believe so apparently that plane specifically had a twin engine a twin tail 
a door on the pilot side, a loop on the front of it for navigation purposes, and a spar for for an antenna. Okay. And much to Snavely's surprise, uh, the corrections officer later verified that the plane wreckage had all five of those features. All right. So again, I would say that's the most likely scenario, that it was... Buka. Off of Buka. Buka. Like Buka de Beppo. So, Papua New Guinea. Apparently this was in within the first 70% of her route. So apparently she had gotten pretty far in this flight before actually going down. Yeah. Because if, if people were only searching the last 30% of the route, and that's where they found... Well, I'm not sure what they found in the first well, is place, it, I think. Is it her entire route, or are we just talking um, like her route that she had planned with the amount of fuel? Because it might be just that one leg of the trip, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think that might be more, more of what they've narrowed it to. True. Which, I mean, it narrows it down a little bit. That's still a lot of search area, though. Yeah. Well, especially in, yeah. over an ocean. Yeah. It's hard. I mean... Even if they do find the actual wreck itself, mm -hmm. like with each day that goes past, it's going to be harder to identify it positively. Because mm -hmm. it's already been in the ocean for, what, almost 100 years now. Yep. Uh, a lot of corrosion, a lot of rust. All the corrosion. <laughs> yeah. So, like, any kind of, I would imagine, any kind of serial numbers that would have been on that plane are unrecognizable mm -hmm. at this point. But, I mean, there's still identifying factors, and especially if, unfortunately, Amelia's, like, inside the plane, like, you'll be able to identify her by her personal effects. Yeah. I I mean, I find it hard to believe that she made it out of the plane, like, because there was the theory that she had maybe set up camp close. Right, because they found was, the campfire. Yeah, that and... there were remains and stuff like that there. I don't think that was her, though. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's possible. Especially, I feel like it's more most possible in an ocean crash versus a land crash. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, especially if, yeah, if she landed off the coast there, but, like, actually off of the coast, yeah. and it happened to make it inland, that would have been And once you amazing, get into but... those little little island channels, there's... It's relatively shallow water. Mm -hmm. for, I mean, for the most part, like it's diveable. This guy was looking for sponges and found this plane. Yeah. Whether or not it's Amelia's or not, like that, that tells you how deep it is there. Yeah, so, it's swimmable for it's, sure. Yeah, within reason. Yeah, you yeah. Can. But apparently, that hasn't been seen through to fruition as far as the the exhumation of that whole. Well, I'm sure it's probably hard with the local government. Yeah, being out. Permissions you got to get with them, the water permits to allow us to 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 even do that. And let's be real, America has went a lot of places that people haven't been happy about us going to. Mm -hmm. So when we're trying to go back, even if it's good intentions, sometimes it gets met with a little justified, I think, um, apprehension, hesitance. Yeah, yeah, but it's okay. Yeah, I. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like this one's not... I mean, it's not really out there. There's not a whole lot of really super crazy, uh, far-reaching... Besides, you know, maybe alien abduction. I, I want to watch that Star Trek episode now, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you, those listeners out there watching Star Trek, I want to... If you've seen that episode, tell me about it. Um, but yeah, I feel like... It's probably one down, and I'm hoping that this, that'd be so crazy if they actually found her plane. So hopefully that gets dug up here soon, or exhumed, or whatever we can do with it to maybe, you know, not break it. Yeah. <laughs> Figure out what it is, who it belonged to. Mm. What a letdown that would be if we uh, spent that much time and energy on that, though, and then it's like oh, and it's not. some random... <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, boat. somebody else still went down in that plane, and and, yeah. and and they deserve to, like, be... for their families to have some peace with that, too. Right. 
You know, I mean, just because you're not Amelia Earhart, every every person that crashed is still is still a tragedy. Only matters if it's a celebrity. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm going spy still. I just you choose the spy. Yeah, it's just more fun. And I'm not afraid to admit that I like the fun answer sometimes. Yeah, but I just, I still think it's plausible. I mean, we're talking about a lot of of Japanese inhabited land mm-hmm. um, in the area, airspace that was constantly being watched. Uh, and I, I just wouldn't be surprised if some cameras got slapped on, on the plane. Mm-hmm. Hopefully those weren't found, but you never know. I don't. You will never know. They lost the bones. Why <laughs> lost your bones? Okay. Lost the bones. Okay, that's what we got to call the episode. Lost bones. How do they lose the bones? You had one job. That's you had one job. You had one job. Um, yeah. No pretty bow. No pretty bow to wrap it up in. But That's all right. If you guys have heard any theories that we didn't mention today, well, we would love to hear about them. Seriously. Yeah. Um, email them to us. We're at creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. Um, I have a link to that in the show notes. Um, and even if it's not about Amelia, we, we want to hear from you guys. We, I know we keep saying it every single week, week, every single week, but it's the truth. We we want to hear, even if it's just to say hi, you guys are enjoying the show. Uh, we really would appreciate it. Let uh, us know how many times you laughed at us messing up words. This yeah. this this one broad this one podcast. <laughs> We've messed up so many times. I don't know how. Yeah. Oh, prank clash. It's all good. We try we try to keep it authentic on here. But we want to hear you guys' stories, even if, like I said, if it's not with Amelia, even if it's ghost stories, cryptid stories, um, just weird encounters, weird anything. Anything, like, really fun, more specific to, like, your area, or something that's a little bit lesser known. That's true. It doesn't even have to necessarily be something that happened to you. If it's a if it's a local legend to your mm-hmm. town um, that you you really love about your town, let us know about it. We would like to do maybe a little urban legends episode, yes. or even just talk to you guys about it. Um, no matter how big, small, we really don't care. Um, we just really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day, one to listen to the show at all, but two to to shoot us an email. Um, we just want to really let you know how much we appreciate that. Um, our, our listener or our downloads have really been been just steadily climbing, um, and we have nobody but you guys to thank for that. Uh, I mean, without you guys, there'd be no show. So it's reassuring. For you, sure. you guys must be doing a little bit of the work, so keep on doing that work. Keep spreading it. Word of mouth is definitely the biggest thing. Um, share it on all of your social medias. Um, tell a friend if they're interested in it. If you guys are bored at work, throw mm-hmm. it on on the speakers. Um, you can, like I said, get a hold of us at creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah. We had some promos for some other guys in the beginning. We did. Just another shout-out before we close out the show. Really go check out uh, Graveyard Tales. Mm-hmm. Great podcast. Cannot recommend them enough. Um, and my my friend's new band – or not new band, friend's up-and-coming band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rags and Riches. They got their single on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. They're no, they're they're big time and jump on now before they take off. <laughs> yeah, uh, cannot be cannot be more proud of them. So, I guess that wraps up this episode. Next mm-hmm. episode, like I mentioned earlier, I'll be doing the alien abduction of Barney and Betty Hill. Oh, it's a couple. It is a couple. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, you said this is the first? It is the first publicized. I don't like saying the first abduction because I feel like there were other ones, but this is the first widely publicized mm-hmm. abduction. Okay. Um, it's They call it kind of the grand grandfather of all abduction stories because after this is when kind of the floodgates opened, which I'm sure some copycats just came out, mm-hmm. but still – it, it also might have just let some people know, like, hey, I, these people are bold enough to kind of say something about it. I don't have to be as afraid to talk about mine either. Yeah. So that could have also played into it. But we're going to get into that next week. Oh, yeah, so, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. Spo? Spo? Spo! Man, this episode, guys. <laughs> it's cursed, I swear. <laughs> hey, don't, don't be throwing those curses, man. I'm going to have to bless the mics oh, when I we get right. off. We're on this, yeah. Okay. But until next time, everybody, uh, remember... You guys stay toasty. Stay toasty.